Belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for November 27th, 2022 is called, What Should We Hope For? The speaker is John Ray, and it was recorded on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Thanks, y'all. Y'all can have a seat. Again, welcome. My name is John Ray. If you're listening on the podcast or watching on the live stream, we're really glad you're here with us at Grace Church this morning. The holiday classic movie, A Christmas Story, debuted in 1983. Now, it seems like it's 100 years old. I know it seems like it's been, but 1983. And it seems to have been showing somewhere at some time ever since it came out. Since it began showing as a marathon annually on TNT in 1997 and on TBS in, 20, in 2004, it is inescapable this time of year. And they've even made it into a traveling theater production. I don't know if y'all have seen that. Um, so when I talk about Ralphie hoping for obsessively longing for a Red Ryder BB gun. Y'all all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I, like we're all really familiar with that story. Um, one of the reasons that the movie strikes such a chord with us, I think, is that we all recognize our own hopes and wishes, our longing for certain things is, is encapsulated in Ralphie's wishing. The way that he obsesses over it captures a little bit of the obsessing that some of us have for certain things. And of course those things change over time and how they change and what they change to says much about us. But it seems like we can't ever quit hoping. The object may change, but we still, like we still are longing, we still are hoping, we're still obsessing over things. And so the question we have this first Sunday of Advent, this Advent of hope, the Sunday of hope, is how do we hope rightly? How do we cultivate hope that leads to flourishing and not to bitter disappointment or an eye patch in Ralphie's case? Is that even possible? Well, I think it is. And this Sunday we light the first candle, the hope candle, It may not stay lit with that door open. But as we do this, as we start this practice, we light this candle. Which, what does that do? Why do we do this? Well, it's a little bit weird. But y'all, hope is weird. I mean, let's just face it. It's a weird thing. It's weird for us to invest so much time, so much effort, so much imagination in things that aren't not here. I mean, wouldn't we be better possessed of ourselves? Wouldn't we be more effective? Wouldn't we be happier if we just concentrated on what we had? And now listen, I'm not saying don't do that. We all need to cultivate gratitude and gratefulness for what we have. But to be human is to hope. And humans are weird, y'all. We're just weird. 
with this. Um, we often hope for the wrong things. And the thing is, hope reveals things about us. What we hope for reveals things about us. Barbara Kingsolver once wrote, she said, the very least you can do with your life is figure out what you hope for. And the most you can do is live inside that hope. Not admire it from a distance, but live right in it, under its root. Cultivating an honest spirit-infused life-giving hope is an ongoing effort that takes humility, intention, imagination, and faith and can really only flourish in a community. Well, let's look at our text. So we're going to start, we're going to read the Luke story. We're going to read the first half of chapter 1 this week, the second half of chapter 1 next week when Jennifer leads us uh, in our teaching time. And we're going to see some things that kind of set us up for a certain expectation this week. And then we're going to see how they're actually fulfilled next week. But let's, let's look at the first half this week. That's hanging on for dear life, isn't it? That's a good metaphor right there. So Luke 1. So many others, and I'm reading from the message also. We're, we're changing up our translation for Advent. We're going to read from the message. So many others have tried their hand at putting together a story of the wonderful harvest of Scripture and history that took place among us, using reports handed down by the original eyewitnesses who served this world, who served this word with their very lives. Since I have investigated all the reports in close detail, starting from the story's beginning, I decided to write it all out for you, most honorable Theophilus. So this is Luke writing the letter to Theophilus. So you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you were taught. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned to the service of the regiment of Abijahs? Abijah? I have read that before. Uh, His name was Zechariah, I know that. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. But they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive. And now they were quite old. It so happened that Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment. It came his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of incense offering. Unannounced, now how would an angel announce, I guess, unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was paralyzed in fear, but the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear, will bear a son by you. You are to, give, you are to name him John. You are to... You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy. And not only you, many will delight in his birth. He'll achieve great stature with God. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah, soften the hearts of parents and children, and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He'll get people ready for God. Zechariah said to the angel, Do you expect me to believe this? What a great response. Like, here's the angel just laying out all this great stuff. And Zechariah, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man. And my wife is an old woman. I'm glad she didn't hear that. But the angel said, 
I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. Meanwhile, the congregation was waiting for Zechariah, was getting restless, wondering what was keeping him so long in the sanctuary. When he came out, he couldn't speak. They knew he had seen a vision. He continued speechless and had to use sign language with people. When the course of his priestly assignment was completed, he went back home. It wasn't long before his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. She went off by herself for five months, relishing, relishing her pregnancy. So this is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition, she said. Now, if you have spent any time in Sunday school, if you have spent any time reading the Bible at all, you will be very familiar with the characters in this story. Maybe not Zechariah and Elizabeth per se, but this is what happens in the Bible time and time and time and time again. We see it all the way back with Abraham and Sarah. This is a script. When this was written and the people would read it, especially those who had grown up in the Jewish tradition, they would, they would know who's being talked about here. Ah, the childless couple that's old. That's a trope or a theme that goes time and time through the Bible. The childless couple. Ah, the angel who comes up and announces, yes, we know this. We've seen this happen before. We've seen this happen before. The angel shows up, makes a pronouncement. Ah, the unbelieving man. Again, guys, sorry. That's just how we're cast. It's we are the skeptics. We are the unbelievers. We are the ones who don't respond. Whether it's Moses saying, I, 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 I can't talk. Don't send me to Pharaoh. Whether it's Gideon saying, listen, you gotta, you got to wet down this sheep fleece before I'm going to go. Wherever it is, the angel appears, there is pushback. Can't be that way. And then we get God doing what only God can do. And especially, he even uses it. I mean, Gabriel doesn't even pull any punches. He doesn't let you guess. He's like, he's going to be like an Elijah figure. We know that this is who God uses. God brings the deliverer or the prophet or the person who's going to do something mighty out of these unique circumstances. So that's what's happening, and the people are aware of it. The people are longing for it. But what we're going to see, like I said next week, is that all of a sudden then the, 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 the script is flipped, and something very different happens that we're not going to get to that till next week. What I want to do instead is look at what is happening here. Even though it is following a script, we cannot just blow by it. We have to see what is being said here at this time in these words. The first thing that we see is that, the, and Rich Velotis said this, he said, the good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, we often aren't, but that God is faithful in his coming. Listen, God doesn't show up because we've waited perfectly. God doesn't fulfill our hopes because we hoped perfectly. That's not the way it works. No, in the contrary, and that's one of the reasons why it is so stereotypical, but it's also so deeply true, is that oftentimes when the fulfillment to the promise comes, we don't believe it. We can't accept it. 
Because we know we haven't earned it. We know we don't deserve it. We know we haven't been perfect in our waiting, our longing, our wishing. We know that we are fickle. We know that sometimes a wish gets fulfilled and we've forgotten we even wish for it. We totally forgot that that was something we wished for. And then it comes. And we see this so beautifully pictured in Zechariah's response. It's like, wait, what? Like, isn't that often how it happens? Like, we're like, the answer comes, we're like, wait, what? And may, or maybe it's not when we wanted it. Maybe it's not how we wanted it. Or who we wanted it from. But it happens. And so we understand that this hope is something that we have to pay attention to. It's something that we have to cultivate. And one of the reasons why we're doing this um, this year, and we're going we're gonna to hand these out this year. Uh, Betty did a fantastic job. This is our church calendar. So um, we can hand these out as you go out. We've got this one in color she did. I think we only have a couple of these. But you can either color this in or we can get you one in color too. But I want, us to, I want us to put these on our refrigerators. I want to put them in our planned calendar. And what it has is it goes through all the seasons on the top here. And then it gives you the specific dates for things that we want to concentrate on. Now listen, we're not going to be legalistic about this, okay? This is not a new legalism that you have to be here and we're going to take role and do this. No, but it's a way as we start this new year, when you look ahead, when I look ahead, and we start planning our calendar and all the things we have to do, we, we organize, we use this as our organizer. We use this as the thing that helps inform us of those dates. When do we want to do things? Where are we going to give our things? And it helps us cultivate hope as we do that. Look forward to it. We put it on our calendar. Because if you're like me, it's not really real until you put it on your calendar. Does anybody else like that? Like, we can talk about ideas, we can talk about stuff. I'm talking with Ryan today about bicycle races, right? Like, I don't know, maybe I'll do it, but when I put it on my calendar, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to be there. So that's what this helps us do. The other thing about the church calendar is it helps give place to our longing. It gives give place to our emotions. In a way, what it does is it calendars specific times that allows us and invites us to feel certain things. Advent is about anticipation. I want to tell you all right now, it's okay. That's what we're going to do collectively. We are going to anticipate the coming of Jesus. We're going to give voice to that. We're going to give practice to that anticipation. When the time comes to Lent, that's a time of repentance. That's a time of being sorrowful. That's a time of grief for the things that we've done wrong and the things that we've left undone that we should have done. It's okay. We're going to invite ourselves to do that. We're going to give permission to feel that thing. And along with the other things on the church calendar, it's a way of organizing our intentions and gives us permission with our emotion, our intentions, our activities, and synchronizes them to the story of Jesus with that. So that's what we're going to do here. But I got to tell you on this, I still have many questions. I, I sound like, hey, John, he's got a calendar. It looks good. It's got colors on it and dates on it and everything. It's awesome. I still have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about this Advent. Because, yes, this is the start of a new year, but this is also the start of something new for us as a church. Like I said, when I read the letter at the start, we're on the brink of a new season as a church. 
And that's risky, y'all. Anytime with, there's a change, it's risky. Now, I, I believe what I said, even if we don't change, there's risk with that. But this is a specific kind of risk with that. And I, I want to know, what should I be hoping for? What should I be longing for? What should I be asking, paying attention to in this time? And that helps me ask deeper questions, like where do I find my hope? What am, I, am I hoping in a new building? Am I hoping in what? Where am I placing my hope? Where do I invest my hope, my imagination? What's the object of, the, of that hope? Is my hope in y'all? Is my hope in me? Is it in God? Is it a combination of all those things that I'm hoping in? I mean, Advent invites us, especially this Sunday, it invites us to ask, where are we placing our hope? What are we hoping is going to happen? How do we cultivate and nurture that? Well, Advent invites us to sit in darkness, waiting, in expe waiting expectantly for the light of the world to come. As I said earlier in the, in the prayer time, like we live in this time where there's so much news coming at us in every tragedy, whether it's a shooting or a hurricane or another missile strike or cancer diagnosis, we're, we're just constantly bombarded with these things that we wish were different. And while we do need to pay attention and, and mitigate how much information comes at us, Advent invites us to sit with that and yet hope still. Laura said it um, in our teaching time this week. She said, hope doesn't deny the reality of the badness in the world or the wrongness in the world. That's not what Advent is. That's not what hope is. Hope is not going, na 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 and then just, you know, focusing on the good. No, it's not. Actually, hope invites, in a way, to recognize things as they are and yet believe that something still greater can happen with that. And Jennifer made this comment this week, which I, I thought was really spot on. She said, it is important this hoping is important because it's less about our response to God than God's response to us. As I said, none of us, none of us hope perfectly. None of us wait perfectly. None of us wish correctly, 100%. Our hope is that God does it anyway. Is that God comes through anyway. Is that even when I give up hope, even when I lose hope, even when I hope wrong, God still comes. God still delivers with that. Well, just like Ralphie's BB gun, hope is dangerous. Not necessarily to shoot your eye out. But hope teaches us. And whenever we learn something, we learn what we've been doing wrong, right? We learn something new. We're like, oh, I wish I'd known that. Wish I'd known that before with that. But hope teaches us. Hope reveals things about us. And Advent is about hoping for the promised but not yet. Advent is about cultivating that waiting, patience, that longing, that recognizing our own emptiness and neediness, our own lack of answers, solutions, and resources, and yet still hoping that God will come through. Cultivating an honest, spirit-infused, life-giving hope is an ongoing effort 
that takes humility, intention, imagination, and faith. And really, y'all, can only flourish in community because I can't hope enough by myself. I need people to hope for me. I need people to hope with me. There are times where I'm just too tired. I give up. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I need y'all to hope for me. I need y'all to hope with me. And then I hope I can do the same thing for you. I hope when you give up, I hope when you get tired, I hope when you stop, just go, it's just not worth it anymore, that I can step into that, or we can step into that and say, you know what, we'll, we'll hope for you in this season. We'll walk with you in that. So I'm going to invite Jeff and Leah come on back up here. Um, y'all, at Grace Church, we practice hopeful hospitality. Our hospitality is rooted in this hopefulness. We hope that others will feel as welcome and included as God has made us feel. This practice changes us and roots us deep in our own welcome as we welcome others. This is what we confess and believe to be true in our actions, attitudes, and words. That's one of the reasons why we practice communion. I know we have it. Oh, there it is. Um, but we practice communion at this table. Uh, at Grace Church, this table is open to everyone. We're not gatekeepers to God's provision. If anything, we're the guys standing out on the board. We, I feel like for communion, we ought to be out there with one of those signboards, like they do around tax season, you know, the big arrows. Like, if anything, I, that's what I feel like I ought to be up here, is like this big arrow spinning. Come! Hey, look, come on. get Come to the table. Like, this is for you. This table is for us, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we've hoped for it or wished for it, because of what God's done. So that's what we do here. We worship by receiving what God has done. And that's open for all of us. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.